Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So there is a lovely passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about this for several weeks because we don't believe that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit passed away 2,000 years ago. We believe that you, Joe, Mary, Sue, Tim, whoever you are in the church, you can and should be using the gifts of the Spirit. Now, some of us are here today and we've never even heard about this before. Others have been in church for 20 years. Maybe you've experienced the gifts of the Spirit in the past. And I'm wanting to stir us up today and say, but are you using them still? It's not enough for it to be a, a memory from many years ago. God wants a daily walking relationship with us. The Holy Spirit walking alongside us and within us, speaking to us, helping us, encouraging us, guiding us. And the fruit of that will be that these gifts of the Holy Spirit that we're about to look at today will be in action in your life. So my question to you, first of all, before we start, this is a practical talk. Are you experiencing and using the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Now you might say, I don't even know what those are. That's okay. We'll explain them. There are nine of them, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, let me just start by saying that there has been some confusion in Christian circles for many, many years. There are different types of gifts listed in the Bible. So in one place it talks about gifts like encouragement, uh, giving, leadership. In another place it talks about gifts like being a pastor or an evangelist. And then in this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about miraculous gifts like healing and tongues and miracles. And sometimes people put all of those three types of gifts into one pot and they say they are all the gifts of the Spirit, but they're actually not all the gifts of the Spirit. One category are the gifts of Jesus. Those are evangelists, pastors, prophets, apostles, and teachers. The other little group are the gifts of God the Father. Those are prophecy, teaching, leading, encouragement, mercy, serving, and giving. And then this third category are the gifts of the Spirit, and they are the miraculous gifts. Tongues, interpretation, discerning of spirits, prophecy, miracles, faith, healings, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And God wants you to use at least some of the gifts of the Spirit, some of the gifts of the Father, and some of the gifts of Jesus. And an error has crept into the church where somebody from the front says, you should be using the gifts of the Spirit. And somebody says, phew, it's okay, I'm using the gift of hospitality. No, that's not how it works. That is a different gift from a different category. The gifts of the Spirit are nine of them. They are miraculous gifts, and you can't get out of this one. You need to be using them. Every one of us. It says to each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the profit of all. It's to each one. 
You know, on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 of them in the upper room and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall and they're praying and they're waiting and they're praying and they're waiting. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day seven, day eight, day nine. When will this come? Day 10 comes, the Holy Spirit falls and it says that there was a flame of fire that came on the head of every single one. Not just Peter, James and John, not just the 12 apostles, all 120 were filled with the Spirit and all of them started speaking in tongues. The gifts of the Spirit are for everyone in the church. Are you using them? They're precious. It's like a tool belt with nine tools on it and you have to have these tools to do what God has given you to do. Do you remember when David went out to fight Goliath? He went to the river and he picked up five smooth stones. Do you remember that? And he put them in his pouch and he got his sling ready and he went out to face this giant. Friend, Jesus made it clear, you and I must have the tools, the weapons before we go out to face the enemy. You say to me, really? I know good Christians who don't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Are you saying they can't do ministry? Are you saying that they don't have the tools or the weapons? Are you saying that they're ill-equipped? I know Christians, you might say to me, who don't believe in the miraculous anymore. They don't believe in tongues. Are you saying they can't be preaching and doing ministry? Well, let me give you this little example. The disciples, 12 disciples, hand-picked by Jesus. Three years in Jesus' Bible school of listening to him teach every single day for three years. Walking with him, eating with him, sleeping in the same home as him. For three years they had just gained so much wisdom and knowledge and they'd watched Jesus, they'd learned from Jesus. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, do not go out of Jerusalem and start doing any ministry until you have received the gift of the Father, the power from on high. For in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus said to them, you've learned a lot. You are handpicked by me. You are qualified in your mind and in your actions, but you haven't got the power. You haven't got the tool belt. You haven't got the gifts of the Spirit yet. Do not even try to do ministry until you've got it. So it's essential. I didn't say it. Jesus did. It's essential. Without the gifts of the Spirit, you're like a car without fuel. You're like a computer without being plugged into the electricity socket. You are useless. You can have all the head knowledge and you can have a wonderful character and be a wonderfully kind person. But if you don't have the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, don't even bother. It's like David going against Goliath without any stones. It's like a soldier going into war without any weapons. You can't fight. Is that okay? Right. Let's read. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. I must tell you that that word gift is the word charisma. A little, a little bit of Greek here. Charis means grace, which means a free gift. And this word gift 
For the gifts of the Holy Spirit is charisma. They are gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can't earn them. You might say, I haven't been a Christian long enough. I've still got several areas of my life that aren't great. I don't know enough of the Bible. I don't deserve the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You've misunderstood. It's a gift. You can't deserve it. It's so precious. Nobody earns it. Nobody deserves it. It has to be a gift. Therefore, get rid of this wrong thinking that you have to earn it. I remember when someone first prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to start speaking in tongues. I thought I wasn't good enough. And I looked at all the other Christians and I thought they know more of the Bible. They're better. They've been Christians longer. I'm not good enough. I must just work harder. And suddenly I realized it's a gift. Just like I give baby, my children, when they were very small, I gave them gifts at Christmas. They didn't deserve it. I just love to give them something and I love to see them smile. God wants to give you a gift. You say, wow, today even? Yeah, even today. So he says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So that's the first category, gifts of the spirit. Remember, there are three members of the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the first, it says, there are gifts that come from the Spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. That word Lord means Jesus. So ministries come from Jesus. Gifts come from the Spirit. Ministries come from Jesus. And then verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in them. That's the Father. Three categories. Gifts of the Spirit, ministries of Jesus, activities of the Father. The activities of the Father are listed in Romans chapter 12, and there are seven of them. The ministries of Jesus are listed in Ephesians chapter 4, and there are five of them. And the gifts of the Spirit are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and there are nine of them. The manifestation is given to each one. This is where we can't hide. I can't hide behind my parent, my grandparent, my friend, my brother, my sister, my life group leader, my pastor. I can't hide behind them and say, God, give them the gift of the Spirit. No, it's to each one. He wants to give you something. One of these miraculous gifts, or maybe more, probably more than one. He says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. This is why this list is different to the gift of tongues that is spoken of in other places of the Bible. So stay with me for a couple of moments. I'm just going to do a tiny little detour here. There is a gift of tongues that is not for the profit of all. These gifts that are about to be listed, it says are for the profit of all. In other words, I use them to help other people. I use these nine miraculous gifts to help other people. They are for the profit of all, for others. But the personal gift of tongues in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says it's not for others, it's to edify me. It says I don't speak to men, I speak to God, just me and Him alone. It says it's not for proclaiming, it's for praying in the Spirit. And Jude a book towards the end of the Bible, verse 20, 
commands all Christians to pray in the Spirit and to build themselves up in their holy faith, which is talking about praying in tongues. He couldn't command it to all of us if only some of us got it, and yet only some of us have these nine gifts. So the, the personal prayer gift of tongues is different to this list here because this says it's for the profit of all. It's for public use. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. What is that all about? What is the word of wisdom? What he's saying is that there is a time and a place. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus said, when you are attacked and you, and you have adversaries coming against you, he says you're going to have people even dragging you into courts of law and, and instituting legal proceedings against you because of your Christian faith. He says, don't worry beforehand what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you words and wisdom that no one can resist or contradict. That's what this gift is. It's, it's basically not something I've studied for. It's not something that's inbuilt into my character. It's a gift of wisdom in a particular circumstance where God says, this is the right way to answer or this is the right decision to make for the future. And I want to say that this is one of the most overlooked gifts of the Spirit, but one of the most precious gifts of the Spirit. If you are a parent, if you are an adult of any sort and you're having to make decisions, you need the gift of wisdom. If you are running a business or trying to manage finances in any way, you need the gift of wisdom. If you are in some kind of adversarial situation at work or with people who are arguing with you, even if it's not about Christianity, God wants to give you by His Holy Spirit words and wisdom that just frame the conversation in such a way that you say, wow, I could never have thought of that on my own. You know, Jesus had many times when the Pharisees came up against Him and they, they had planned tough questions to ask Him, to try and trick Him. Do you remember a few of those circumstances where the Pharisees thought of a question or they engineered a circumstance in such a way that they were trying to trick Jesus. And every single time he answered in a way that was loving, that was full of peace and love, but was also extremely wise and the, the adversaries were just left gobsmacked. They, had, they couldn't resist or contradict what he'd said. So they bring a woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus and they say, the Old Testament law says we must kill her by throwing stones at her. Jesus, what are you going to do? And most of us would have sweated and panicked and thought, how am I going to handle this situation? I don't know what to do. Jesus, it says he knelt down on the ground and he started writing in the, in the sand. I think he was saying, Holy Spirit, what do I do? What do I do? And the Holy Spirit gave him a word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom was, he said, okay, if anyone's got no sin, you, you throw the first stone and then the next person can start throwing stones. It was just a wise way to answer and it solved the circumstance. I had a, an occasion when I was a pastor in a previous country. There was a man who wanted to get into politics 
and he was in our church but he wasn't doing it from good motives he wasn't being led by the Lord he had all sorts of evil mixed up motives and he came to me and he was putting pressure on me to involve our church in politics and I said Lord I need a word of wisdom I could argue with this man on a human level and I would never get anywhere and the Lord just dropped into my mind he said to me ask him what is his favorite scripture in the Bible now that is a weird thing to answer but I but I asked him I said what's your favorite scripture and he, and he brought out the passage that says when a king goes to war he has to check that he's got enough men to fight and when a person builds a tower they've got to make sure they've got enough resources they've got to count the cost and he told me that was his favorite verse and I said have you done that with what you're trying to do in politics and he was just ashen faced he the blood drained from his face and I don't know why but it silenced him completely he stood up and he walked out of my office and he never gave us any trouble again because the word of wisdom is much more powerful than human wisdom I must be honest with you this gift of the word of wisdom is the most precious to me of these nine gifts it enables you to make decisions it enables you to answer someone who's trying to hurt you it enables you to plan and strategize in a way that human brain thinking can never do and you need it my friend and I need it and God wants to give it to us the next one he says to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit what is the word of knowledge this is where God puts into your mind some knowledge of something that you would never have known otherwise so for example you may be in the supermarket and you are picking out some cabbages to buy and somebody comes up next to you and they say oh I wish they had beetroot and God drops into your heart or your mind some knowledge about this person who you have never met before in your life he says something about them they're going through a divorce and their father has got cancer and that happens you might say to me that doesn't happen it happens I promise you it happened the, the Lord drops into your heart little pieces of knowledge that you could never have known you say to me Greg are they are they definite pieces of knowledge do you know it for sure are you certain of it no it's like a wisp it's like a it's like an echo it's like a little thought that wasn't in your brain and then suddenly it's there and you're not sure if it's you or if it's God you know 1 Corinthians 13 the very next chapter to this he talks about how love is supposed to be the overriding context for us using all these gifts and then in a little bit later in chapter 13 he says we know in part we prophesy in part we see as if through a glass dimly he's talking about how these gifts of the spirit are never completely clear to us and that's the way it's supposed to be why because they're spiritual and you and I are fleshly our brain is fleshly our senses are fleshly 
and 1 Corinthians 15 says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, which is spiritual. The two struggle to understand each other. And so God is putting spiritual truths into our hearts, but our fleshly brains and logic are trying to interpret them, and it's never crystal clear. It's through a glass dimly. That's why in 1 Corinthians 14, he says whenever there's a prophecy, it must be judged by others in the church because it's never 100% right. That's why in Acts chapter 21, Paul is there with Luke and Timothy and Philip the evangelist and Philip's four daughters who are prophesying ladies and Agabus the prophet. It's all the great leaders of the Christian church are there and Agabus comes to Paul and takes his belt and ties his hands and says, you're going to be tied up in Jerusalem if you go there. And all the great Christians in the room say to Paul, the Lord is saying, do not go to Jerusalem. And Paul says, I am going to Jerusalem. The prophecy was right, I will be tied up, but the interpretation is murky, it's, it's unclear, and I know what God has told me to do. He's told me to go to Jerusalem, because prophecy is never 100% crystal clear. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, they're never 100% crystal clear, but now this is where the exciting bit comes. I work out, I learn how to hear and recognize the voice of the Spirit. How? By going to school? No. I'll tell you how. By trial and error. <laughs> and so, I'm in the supermarket picking out cabbages and this person comes who I've never met and the Lord says this in my heart and now I'm trying to figure out, whoa Lord, is this you <laughs> or is this me? Secondly, how am I going to use this piece of information you've just given me, Lord? What are you saying and why? And so I start praying. Lord God, please help this person. And as, as I start to love them, and as the compassion and the mercy and the love of God start to flow, the gift starts to open a way for me to talk to them. And I say to something like, yeah, my family love cabbages. Do your family love beetroots? Oh, well, yeah, we've got a bit of family problems at the moment. Oh, really? I'm so sorry to hear that. And, and is there any sickness? Yeah, actually, there's cancer. And there's a, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus heals. Can I pray for you right now? And a door is open. Friends, for too long, we as the church have been trying to do evangelism using head knowledge. And God has given us these supernatural tools to pray for people, to open up conversations. Um, to do amazing things. Even in business, you know, God can give you a word of knowledge or, or students. I've heard of students where the Lord guides somebody to study a particular part of a book before an exam. It's a word of knowledge and it was exactly what came up in the exam. In business, he says, sell those shares, do this. He gives us clever ideas. These are tools we need, brothers and sisters. We can't do it all with wisdom in our own brains and knowledge in our own heads. So I'm, I'm not going to go into the other seven gifts today. I'm going to stop there. But I just want to say that these gifts are available. Three times in these three chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, three times he says, eagerly desire these spiritual gifts. 
Can I ask you, are you eagerly desiring the gifts? That same word that's translated eagerly desire is translated lust in James chapter 4. He's saying you should desperately want these gifts. Do you remember Jesus in John chapter 7? He goes to the Feast of Tabernacles. He stands up, the crowd all around him, and he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone believes in me, out of his innermost being will flow streams of living water. But the key is thirsty. Are you thirsty for the gifts? Are you? Are you thirsty for the gifts? If you are thirsty, if you are wanting the gifts of the Spirit, Jesus says, just ask. In Luke chapter 11, he, he gives a little illustration. He says, imagine an earthly dad is standing there and his son comes and asks him for bread or for a fish or for an egg. Can you imagine this scene? Your, your little child comes and says, Daddy, I want an egg sandwich with a bit of fish on it, please. He says, will that father give him a scorpion? No, of course not. Will he give him a snake? No, of course. Will he give him a stone? That would be cruel. He says, can you see an earthly father will give the child what they've asked for in the same way your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Amen. It's as simple as that. I just say, Father, please give me more of your spirit. Give me these gifts. I eagerly desire this gift of the word of wisdom, this gift of the word of knowledge. Jesus, please pour out your spirit and you will see that he will give it to you. I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting where a person has got weird with a pro prophetic word. Have you ever been in one of those meetings? If the word is from God, God doesn't need your help and your weird acting voice to make it have any effect. Amen? If the word is right, you could say it in the most humble way and it would have an effect. You could say, I could be wrong. I'm new at this thing. I'm learning to hear from God. And I think he's saying to me this, 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 and this. Is that right? I could be wrong. If it's of God, it will have just as much effect as if you stood up and proclaimed in a weird, loud, shouty voice. Amen? The wisdom that comes from God, James chapter 3. Let me read it to you. The wisdom that is from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Gentle, humble, willing to yield, not pushing yourself. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification means it builds people up. Exhortation means it encourages people. Comfort means it's a kind word. If you feel like God is saying to you, giving you a word of knowledge that a person is evil, bad, they're going to die, or they're in terrible sin, that's probably not the Holy Spirit because it's not edification, exhortation, or comfort. So let's pray. Can we stand together? Dear Lord God, here I am. Please, God, would you give me your Holy Spirit? Would, we, would you give me your gifts of the Spirit? Lord, I pray for the word of wisdom. Lord, I pray for the word of knowledge. Lord, I pray that I would use these tools 
and have the courage to step out and try using these tools starting from today. And Lord, I choose to step out and risk and try and be willing to make mistakes, but to try to use these gifts for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, we've asked. And our faith says, I've got it. I'm going to start using it. So when the Lord puts something in your heart or your mind, step out in faith. Do it humbly. Say, I think God is saying. And if it's wrong, the worst that's happened is you're learning better to hear his voice. But if it's right, you've learned. Ah, that's what his voice sounds like. And then we keep trying and we keep stepping up. And you'll see great things happen in your life. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.